Thank you, Rob and Dan and instrumentalists for beautiful music today. Turn your Bibles to Paul's letter to the churches in the region of Galatia, to Galatians chapter 5, as we continue our sermon series from Paul's Galatian letter. Freedom from and freedom for. With freedom comes pressure and responsibility and sometimes confusion. The Galatians who had received freedom from the law were about to subject themselves once again to the bars of legalism. Before they closed those jail doors and threw away the keys, however, Paul called for them to stand firm and the freedom they had received in Christ. You know, some people just can't stand to be out of jail. Freedom is scary and fails to provide the rigid and predictable environment of the prison. The awkward inmate stands on the steps of the jailhouse, free at last from confinement, but, but where will he go? Newfound freedom can be as intimidating to a just-released felon as the Atlantic Ocean could be to an aquarium fish all of a sudden set free, uncertain how to use or handle freedom. Sometimes, well, jail mates find themselves back in prison quickly because they just can't take the freedom. I found a story about Malawa M. Mafua. He called 911 early in the morning of January the 6th from the Los Altos payphone. The police did what they were trained to do. He called 911. They arrived there to the phone booth. Well, Mafua was an escapee from the San Mateo County Sheriff's Department. he just begun to flap his wings of freedom when, by mistake, he dialed 911 instead of 411. He just wanted information. He pulled up to the phone booth in his El Camino Real, and Los Altos Police Sergeant Tom Connolly responded to the 911 call, drove up to the phone booth, and there Mafua was actually still wearing his orange clothing with his printed on the back, property of San Mateo County Jail. Mafua, the 27-year-old escapee, was taken back into custody without a battle. Even more bizarre is the story of a lady who refused to enjoy her freedom. She had been sentenced to one year for check swindling, reported back to jail after only two days of being released. She, had been, she couldn't tolerate the pressure of freedom. She had been granted a six-month reprieve of the provision that she wouldn't have to finish the last 22 days of her sentence. Well, if she would be good behavior, she wouldn't have to come back. And she showed back up at the jail after only two days and said, I just can't take the pressure that I might have to go back for 22 more days. I just want to stay and get it over with. They didn't know what to do with her. They found a way to give her time served for good behavior and released her once again. The Galatian believers had received freedom from the Mosaic law. But they were ready to submit again once to the rigidity, to the bars of legalism. Knowing this, Paul calls for them to stand firm in the freedom they have in Christ Jesus. Look at chapter 5, verse 1. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. 
Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. It's a picture of a beast who refuses to put on the yoke of the plow ever again. You have been set free. Christ has set you free for freedom. Therefore, stand firm. Do not go back to living under the law of Moses. They have been set free from the requirements of the law because of Christ's obedience. They have been set free from the bondage to sin because of Christ's obedience. Likewise, they were free from the wrath of God because of Christ's obedience and willingness to die, as Paul tells us elsewhere, even a death on the cross. But the Judaizers came, the Jewish believers came and told them they had to be circumcised and obey the Mosaic law. And once again, they found themselves keeping the dietary law and observing the festivals. And so Paul writes down, it was for freedom that Christ set you free. Do not go again under the yoke of slavery. Well, in verses 2 through 6, he makes it clear that there's only one way of salvation. You, you can't choose the other road anymore. Look at verse 2. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, that means if you go back to the ways of Moses, Christ will be of no benefit to you. I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have, been severed from Christ. you have been severed from Christ. You are seeking to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. Well, they wanted to obey some of the Mosaic law, but not all 613 of Moses' laws. It's not like a salad bar, a food buffet, Paul's saying. You can't take your plate and pick this law and that law and reject this law and reject that law. You can't choose what laws you want to obey. If you're counting on being saved by obeying the law of Moses... You must obey every single law. In fact, what he's saying, it's really not a theological treatise about whether or not one can lose one's salvation. He's saying there are two different paths of salvation. If you take the path of obedience to the law, then you have to obey every single law, which, of course, law has already shown us no one could do as it shut us up to sin. Therefore, you have left the path of grace if you choose to return to the path of law, and the path of law will not work. Look what he says in verse 5. Those who are not going back to the law, we're walking through the Spirit by faith. We're waiting on the very hope of righteousness. And then verse 6. It's not following the law or not following the law that benefits the people of God but is working your faith out in good deeds and love to serve the church. In verses 7 through 12, he is bewildered. The Galatians who were maturing so well in their faith would all of a sudden return back because of the Jerusalem believers to the law of Moses. Look what he says in verse 13. For you are called to freedom, brothers, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But use your freedom 
and other to serve one another. Real faith produces real work. Some of the Judaizers had apparently argued that Paul himself had been preaching the Mosaic law. And Paul says, I have done nothing of the sort. To do so would to be, verse 11, to deny the power of the cross. Well, those first 12 verses could be headed with the title, Standing Firm. Verses 1 through 12, Standing Firm. This next verse is 13 through 15, Freedom From and Freedom for. for you were called to freedom, brethren, but do not use that freedom to serve the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care lest you be consumed by one another. From Galatians 5.13 through 6.10, we have no less than 15 commands from the Apostle Paul to the Galatian Christians. Freedom in Christ is not a license to sin. Freedom in Christ is not an invitation to live any way that you want to or do anything that you want to. No, Paul says your freedom is to be used to serve one another in love. Well, there's two possibilities to freedom. We can use our freedom in Christ, he says, in the wrong way to serve the desires of the flesh. Or we can use our freedom in Christ to serve the community of Christ, which is what we are called to do. When we follow the flesh, are we really free? A substance abuser who's chosen to abuse a substance, alcohol, or a drug, is that substance abuser free? No. In freedom, using a substance abuse enslaves one to the substance itself. Men addicted to pornography, are they free? No, they are enslaved to the flesh. A young couple that must always buy new cars and new clothes and must keep up with their neighbor, are they free? No, they are enslaved to the interest of their credit card and sometimes have to take a second job just to make the minimal payment. In fact, there is no freedom in sin. It will re-enslave you again. We are free from sin. We are not free for sin, Paul is saying. In fact, elsewhere, Paul looks at it this way. We're just changing masters. Romans 6.15, he says something like this. You were once slaves to sin, but now, now you were slaves to righteousness. Or when the, Egyptian, when the people of God were getting free from the Egyptians, Moses was told by God to say to Pharaoh, let my people go that they may now serve me. It's just a change of a master. No longer are they serving Pharaoh, but now they are serving Yahweh. Then he says, you want to fulfill the law? Love your neighbor. Look there at verse 14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to steal from your neighbor or covet what your neighbor has or lie about your neighbor. He says in Romans 13, 8, he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the entirety of the law. But look at verse 15. 
You are devouring one another. Take care lest you be consumed by one another. Turn over to verse 26, the last verse of the chapter. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, or envying one another. Apparently, there was some bickering and backbiting that existed in, that, in the congregations, the churches, in the region of Galatia. In fact, there were some verbal assaults between the members. And, well, he says, you are free from the law, but don't use that freedom to devour one another with your tongues. Pastor Jim Cimbala of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church, it was impromptu. Now they do it every week when members join. That, that first Sunday, he was just led by the Spirit, and the new members came forward, and he said this to the new members. And now I charge you as pastor of this church, if you ever hear another member speak an unkind word of criticism or slander against anyone, against myself or another pastor, an usher, a choir member, or anyone else, you have the authority to stop that person mid-sentence and say, excuse me, who hurt you? Who ignored you? Who slid you? Was it Pastor Simbola? Well, let's go to his office right now, and he'll get on his knees, and he'll apologize, and we'll pray together so God can restore peace back to this body. But we will not let you go around and talk critically about people who are not present to defend themselves. New members, the pastor continued, understand I am entirely serious about this. I want you to help resolve this kind of issue immediately. And meanwhile, know this. If you're ever the one caught doing the loose talking, we will confront you. Vaxembla said more churches are destroyed by the freedom of the tongue and the fellowship than any other factor. So it was in that church and so it was in the Galatian churches. You are devouring each other with your tongues. And then verses 16 through 26, a call to a, a holy walk. How to walk. In verses 6 through 18, we have this image of opposition between the flesh and the spirit. That all of us, even after we say yes to Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we have an internal battle going on within us between our nature and Adam, our fallen nature, and the indwelling spirit of Christ within us. And he says something like this in those verses. The flesh will try to destroy or keep you from doing the things of the spirit, and the spirit will try to destroy or keep you from doing the things of the flesh. And then he gives us, the deeds of the flesh in 19 through 21, and the fruit of the Spirit in 22 through 24. Well, look at the deeds, deeds of the flesh in 19 through 21. If you're trying to live according to the law, you'll be, in, you'll be captured and you'll live like this. The deeds of the flesh are evident. They are immorality, impurity, and sensuality. Those are the first three. The subgroup those as sins of, of sexuality. The next uh, four are, the next two, four and five, are sins of, of false worship, idolatry, and, and sorcery. And the next ones are sins of broken personal relationships, numbers 6 through 13. Look at those. Enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, and factions, envying. And the next section is sins of intemperance, the, the last two there, drunkenness and carousing, things like these. In case I missed one, Paul says things like 
these. Those are the deeds of the flesh, but then he gives us the fruit of the Spirit. Look at verse 22. Students, I would say to you today that spiritual disciplines exist to produce the fruit of the Spirit. At the end of the day, our, our prayer and our worship, our fasting, our contemplative moments should lead to the fruit of the Spirit. Look at verse 22. Not like the deeds of the flesh, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things, there is no law. Occasionally when I meet with the family to plan a funeral, I'll say, well, describe your mother or grandmother to me. And the first grandchild will say, she was always full of joy. And then another will say, you know, she was kind too. And someone will say, we could always count on Mama. She was, she was faithful. And by the time we've gone around the room and they've given me descriptive words or adjectives for uh, the matriarch of the family, they don't know it, but they've just listed the fruit of the Spirit. They didn't plan on that, and their matriarch didn't plan on that, but as the Spirit of Christ gains control of our lives and we yield our will to His will, we will become these things. Notice, love, joy, peace, patience. That was a powerful description of, of all the descriptions of God. Love is the word, the one word that most describes God's relationship with his people. Joy is not the same as happiness. Joy is there despite the circumstances. It is joy because of what God has done for us through Jesus. And then peace, harmony amongst believers, not the bickering and the backbiting, but harmony and patience. Patience, especially for those who have wronged us, to be long-suffering with patience. Kindness, if patience is the passive part of love, then kindness is the active side of love. And goodness results always in action to help others, in faithfulness, steadfast and predictable, willing to follow Christ for the long haul, gentle. And that's not just for Women, gentle. Jesus is called gentle. It is a trait of all believers, gentle. And then self-control, as one is not giving oneself over to the power of the flesh. And then he closes the letter, verses 24 through 25. Now those who belong to Christ have been crucified the flesh with his passions and desires... If we're going to claim to live by the Spirit, he's saying, let us also walk by the Spirit. Don't be boastful, don't challenge one another, and don't be envious of each other. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Free from the law because he has fulfilled the law. Free from the bondage of sin and death because he has been crucified and paid the price. Free from the wrath of God because he spilled his blood to God's wrath rather than ours. Freedom from the deeds of the flesh. Freedom for the fruit of the Spirit. Spiritual disciplines 
are to yield the fruit of the Spirit. Back in the 1960s and 1970s, the Tri-State Fair in Amarillo had started on 11th and Polk Streets and then it continued north to 3rd Street, then turned east and continued to Grand Street where the, the parade would finally stop. We had a member in those days by the name of Dean Gillum and he owned an auto repair shop at 3rd and Pierce Streets. On that particular day, he decided he would just walk out to the sidewalk, take a break from repairing the cars, and watch the Tri-State Fair Parade. Besides, it was going right there in front of his auto repair shop. And so he stopped to relax, and here came the Tascosa High School Marching Band. And as he watched the band, he thought, well, the tuba player looks like my son David. Well, my son David doesn't play the tuba. Well, it was. It was David, and he was playing the tuba. He said, there was my son with this large gold instrument wrapped all around his body, and his cheeks were inflating and deflating like Dizzy Gillespie chasing a jazz tune. And he thought that was the strangest thing. And then there, his son David was gone, and the Tascosa marching band was gone. And, well, he got home that night and said, David, son, I had, I'm at a loss. I had no idea that you were in the band and that you knew how to play the tuba. I didn't know it all these years. He said, Dad, I don't play the tuba. He said, the guy that was supposed to play the tuba got sick. <laughs> and they asked me, would I just put it around my neck and do my cheeks in and out and look like I was playing the tuba. <laughs> he said, they said, the judges that judge the band said, they'll never know. Just, just, just look like, and he was a good marcher, just look like you're playing the tuba. Just fake it. It won't matter. Well, then Gillum felt better when he learned that he had not missed several years of tuba playing <laughs> from David. David. God will never say, just pretend to be my follower. He will never say, just fake your faith. He says, yield yourself to the indwelling Spirit of Christ. And as you do, this freedom you have from the law is freedom for service to the community, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And if you're living like that, he says, you don't have to worry about the law, for there is no law against these things. As you live out the spiritual disciplines in your life, remember, spiritual disciplines always produce spiritual fruit. Let us pray. Oh God, help us to know that we are not saved by a journey on the path of the law. 
that those who follow that path find themselves enslaved to sin. The law is a tutor to lead us to Christ. It is a custodian to bring us to the day of Christ, the day when we can have faith in Christ. Father, I'm so grateful for the experience these students had this weekend, and I pray as they learned about the importance of spiritual discipline that they reflected in their own life that they're free, but not free to sin. They are free to obedience in Christ. Perhaps there's a student this morning who needs to come and proclaim Jesus Christ as their Lord or Savior. Or perhaps there's someone in this congregation that needs to do, to, needs to do so. Or someone today is his call or her call to be a part of this family of faith. Father, may what the students experienced this weekend be not just a few days, but a lifetime. That are exercising disciplines to worship the one and only true creator God, redeemer, sustainer, and the one who's coming back for his church. And in his name I pray, amen.